All I have is a heavy hope That this world here is not my home Hey, this is Jeremiah, and welcome back to the Fireside Podcast, where our mission is to create good kingdom culture, equip the church, and glorify God. You are about to hear part two of our conversation with Doug Welch on how preaching affects the story of the church, specifically within the separate components of our worship gatherings. Thank you for taking your time to listen, and we hope you enjoy. Then we're running into yeah, that. I mean, that should definitely be the structure of our services. I feel too. You know, the yeah. the, the whole fourfold order thing, where right. yeah, we have our our gathering, we have our word, we have our table moment, and then um, our dismissal. But everything is leading up to that Eucharist moment. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, like as a worship minister, I mean, that's definitely a part of my philosophy of worship as well. You know, it's just making sure that um, the the words of the songs that we're proclaiming as a community that morning, mm-hmm. you know, everything leads up to that moment as well. Um, and, and, you know, it should tie in with what's being preached and stuff like that as well. But, I mean, as much as preaching speaks into um, specific situations of our community, our mm-hmm. music does as well. I mean, that's our oh, that's our yeah. hymnal of our church, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, we definitely need to be careful at, to the songs that we choose for our congregations because of that. Because uh, we are as much shaping our congregations, our, our communities, as yeah. anyone else that takes the takes the pulpit you know it takes the stand up there so oh sure i mean because yeah. so much of our of our theology is is learned sung mm-hmm. rather than you know from an outline from the sermon right mm-hmm. but, you know i sometimes i feel bad it's like i really worked hard on the sermon i'll only preach it once mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that'll be it i mean people can go on the website and listen to it or whatever but but i'm not going to get up you know the next week and preach it again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or uh, six months from now, or a year from now. I mean, sometimes there's a church where somebody's got kind of the his sermon, you know, and mm-hmm. then preaches that every year or something like that. And I remember there's some stories like that. But but with the song, I mean, this is what people take with them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what they're they're not humming the sermon outline in the car <laughs> on the way home, exactly. Yeah. You know. Uh, but you if know, you're super analytical, you you notice those things within the service. Like when you are singing that song at home, you're like, oh, well, like that really worked well with what he was talking about today in the message. Sure, and then, yeah. you know, that connects mm-hmm. connects everything together as yeah. well. And mm-hmm. it just speaks to your heart even more. And I, I think I know that's been a struggle with me so far within my ministry endeavors. It's just uh, I don't feel like there has been too much of a value on the worship minister and his role mm-hmm. within the church. Um, where, you know, just come and play a few songs and that's all we want, you know? And I'm like, well, that's good, but we need to make sure that the songs that we're singing are, are affecting our you right. know, community correctly. We're yeah. part of, part of the team that's okay. What are we proclaiming th- this, this next Sunday? Yeah. yeah. What are we, what are, what is the, the truth that we want our people to, to remember, to know, to learn, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. believe and, um, and trust in right is, so you know is the the worship minister the whatever el- other elements are again community shaping or identity forming is always kind of what I, the way mm. i want to talk because that's that's what happens in the large group mm-hmm. right the thing that happens in the large group that can't, can't happen in other places right small groups are great for lots of other things and i'm pro small groups and i think small groups are great right. <laughs> but but you cannot do the identity forming, the mm-hmm. community shaping in a small group because things are just too scattered, right? You have mm-hmm. different people. So this is something that happens when everybody is together, right? What are we about? Who are we? Yeah. You know, and that's what the best worship songs 
do. Right. Is remind us who we are, who God is. Right. Right. Put us in and who and now you know, kind of form us who we are together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's ironic, you know, how low sometimes pastors value worship leaders because worship leaders are some of the number one people that can unravel the things the pastors have done in the servant, right? I mean Yeah. yeah. My uh the pastor I work with now, he talks about when he used to preach, he would, you know, preach on a topic and then mail it to the worship pastor like a week or so before. And then he would pick songs the night before, just, you know, whatever he wants to sing. And then he would get up there and preach about, you know, X and and the worship pastor would be singing about something completely different, or even like he thought Mm -hmm. this was on the same subject, but saying opposite things from what the pastor was saying. And it's so easy to undermine. Yeah. I I do enough supply preaching in churches where they don't know what I'm talking about until I show up that Sunday where you've got mm-hmm. the song leaders and they're, they pick three or four hymns and there's no connection whatsoever. Right. Let's all stand and sing the, you know, the hymn of decision here. And it's something completely <laughs> different. I mean, it's all gospel, so that's good. But, you know, and it's, sometimes it's a, sometimes it's an interesting preaching challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, here's, here's the invitation song. How am I going to get there? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, sometimes that can be kind of fun. It's like, okay, how am in the conclusion? Am I going to, to move from from the point that I was trying to make to the actual song that we're about to sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, those two things have been have been separated. In the mind, and maybe that's part of this thing that we're talking about in terms of the liturgy of the church mm. and the lectionary and think those those elements being removed from each other, right? Mm-hmm. That that uh, people are really really wanting to restore. And I th- and I think there there's a real strong movement in our churches to do that. I mean, I'm I remember reading a book that's probably at least 10 years old by now uh, called The Big Idea that mm-hmm. um, uh, Dave Ferguson and the Naperville Community Christian Church uh, wrote about their process. And I thought that was really, really helpful and really mm-hmm. important. I know a lot of churches are moving that direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A couple of years ago, I was kind of <laughs> interviewing for a, a worship pastor position in Nashville and wound up not being a great fit for my wife and I. But um they were a church really influenced by a network of churches called the Sojourn Network. If yeah. you guys have heard anything about them, but they're uh, and they, you know, we were just firing on all cylinders. Very similar philosophy of worship, and they were seeking to structure their whole liturgy um, within kind of that gathering and framework. But um, in like creation, fall, redemption, restoration, like this mm-hmm. is the story of the Bible. And as much as we can, we want to walk people, you know, for an hour and a half or whatever through you know, gods and you can trace any, you know, whatever theme is being brought out, not necessarily, you know, topical or whatever, whatever theme is being brought out by the text that you're preaching, you can, okay. You know, so we're in Ephesians four, right? We're talking about forgiveness or we're talking about, um, growing up to the stature of the fullness of Christ. You're talking about just growth in general, right? You can trace that, you know, what, mm-hmm. what was God's intention for the world, right? This is this is a garden, but we want this to be a garden world. And then, of course, the fall and the just the metaphor of, um, you know, how we can apply the fall of creation to the metaphor between, you know, relationally. Mm-hmm. And then what did Christ do then? What is it that he did? Well, when he, you know, talking about the prodigal son, I remember being kind of wowed and it was either in a class or a book talking about uh, interviewing different people and telling them the story of the prodigal son um, and asking them what stuck out to them and what happened. People in a lot of Western cultures completely forgot there was a famine in the story. People in, East, in Eastern cultures who are less insulated from that kind of a thing were like, oh, yeah, the famine happened. Um, and then he had to return home. Well, 
that's you know part of how Christ is portraying what he's going to do in his mm-hmm. death and resurrection is that hey there's a famine yeah you went off on your own and there's guilt here uh, but there's also a famine you're also in just a bad place and I'm calling you to come home mm-hmm. um, and so that's what redemption is and then restoration what does God have he's got a garden city right he's got a garden city that is a yeah. whole new heaven and a whole new earth um, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations and all these things and so if you walk any text through a similar framework to that, and you're using that liturgically, you are using literally every element from the time that people gather to the time that they leave to tell the story. And it doesn't have to be, you know, necessarily a rote recitation of the same thing every week. There's incredible variety within just that one framework because that's how the Bible presents it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was thinking about gathering and the importance of gathering and Doug you mentioned you know how the the worship event the worship gathering of the church is this kind of uniquely shaping thing I'm thinking about Israel coming together as one man as the Old Testament puts it in the feasts you know you've got tabernacles you've got you know sucketh or booths or whatever you want to call it to remind them where they came from mm-hmm. remind them now that you're settled don't forget I'm the God who leads you through the wilderness yeah. and just thinking about how informative that would be you know you're an Israelite guy and you're worried about your ancestral property and you're worried about, you know, you haven't had a good yield and you may have to sell that. And yeah, Jubilee's coming, but you're not going to be around when that happens. And here you are being reminded, hey, God led our ancestors through the wilderness and the desert. He'll take mm. care of my family no matter what happens. Yeah. Just how informative that is. And then you've got, obviously, um, the Day of Atonement. And you've got, and, and we, when we come together weekly, we've got all of those things in one. We've got the incarnated Christ who was himself the glory dwelling, tabernacling among us that we've seen. You've got the Passover lamb uh, crucified, you know, slain for our sin, the one who took our punishment upon himself. And you've got this same kind of thing happening every week. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, and that's, I think I've got plenty of warn in the New Testament for applying those things. You know, First Corinthians 10, hey, you've come to the rock that is Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all passed through, you know, your ancestors passed mm-hmm. through the water, fall on Moses. You've got something you know, Jesus himself, you know, someone greater than Solomon's here, someone greater than Moses is here. And so we've got this unique opportunity every single week to steward an hour, an hour and a half of our congregation's time. And if we're any kind of shepherd, whether we've got the title or not, hopefully what we're doing is we're reminding people, this is who you are. Don't yeah. forget when you leave here, mm-hmm. don't forget who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The value of, of, of being fully present in your community is that you get, you can, because that's the universal story, mm-hmm. right? And in every particular way hmm. that, that that's expressed, every particular way in Scripture, mm-hmm. right? Because we believe, I mean, the fall is a universal fall. I mean, everything got affected by that. Yeah. So there's no, like you said, I mean, there's there's no shortage of topics. Mm-hmm. To it was like, well, this is going to sound like the same every week. Well, yeah, but here's another aspect of the vault. Here's another aspect of the vault. I mean, every Sunday, mm-hmm. I, we could 52 weeks a, a year, we can talk about 52 different aspects of mm-hmm. the fall and mm-hmm. we can just keep preaching and preaching on all these because all the, all the different aspects of our sin, all the different aspects of the fall, all of those things are now restored in Christ. Mm-hmm. So all the things that are, are now broken are now healed in Christ. So, so whatever text you're in, they're the story it's a part of the story and so it can be storified right you know mm-hmm. uh, but the value of being uh present in the place is then applying that in the specific way that 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 the fall is being expressed or mm-hmm. even like the specific way in which people are being restored right mm-hmm. right 
how we are experiencing that here. So yeah, it's it's important for all of us, you know, metaphorically to go to Jerusalem for the feast, right? But we're still going to be back home, you know, in the set in the synagogue. We're still going to be, you know, back home listening to the word and how the word is is uh, instructing us and how we're living and how we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're going through our daily lives mm-hmm. here. So, but again, all that to the point to say that's so important for us to be uh, incarnational, mm-hmm. important to be in the midst of our community to know how the story is affecting the people around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think a lot too about, you know, that if we're taking first Corinthians 15 as our guide, I think the gospel is a, is a fairly narrow thing. The gospel proper, oh sure, yeah, but it's a you know it's a Narnian wardrobe, right? There's a it, there's only one very small way to get through here, right. but there's a whole world, and right. so you can, you know, I oh. this gospel centered. Did Houston? Just, I understand just the wardrobe now. You got the I wardrobe. The wardrobe. <laughs> For those of our listeners who haven't read C.S. Lewis, Sorry. go <laughs> stop listening and go read C.S. Lewis. Um, but it's you know it's a very narrow thing. You know, Jesus died for our sins according mm-hmm. to the scriptures and was raised, yeah. seen by witnesses. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a broad thing. We can, and it's easy. I hate for any Bible word to become a buzzword because I don't want to throw out the word gospel, but I also don't want to strip it of its meaning. It's easy, you know, gospel parenting, gospel, whatever. And hopefully that means informed by the whole of scripture, which is climaxed in and understood through the light of the gospel and not just some buzzword we throw around. And so I'm cautious to say gospel centered, but I appreciate, and you kind of alluded Doug to a lot of more of our churches are kind of recognizing this universal story and walking through liturgy and the formative aspect. And so I like gospel centered as a, as a term, I may hate it in three weeks, just depending on how it's used. Right. Um, (laughs) But the concept that I think I see behind it, I find super helpful. And like you're saying, if you know the people in your congregation, you know what they're going through. And, you know, the story of the Bible and the just the wide variety of ways of talking about Mm -hmm. what God has done through his Mm -hmm. son, then your job is to bridge that gap. And I think that that's where we get shaped by the story. It's just one story, but it's we're never going to run out of ways to tell it. Right. Yeah. So whether it's uh, John Stott talking about preaching as, you know, living between two worlds. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Right. Or, you know, building the bridge uh, between the you know, the Bible and the newspaper. Newspapers mm-hmm. used to be a thing that... <laughs> was, Wait, tell me more. Read, yeah, it's, it's, more between the Bible and your... I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> Is yeah. that an app? <laughs> yeah, Can I download <laughs> newspaper app? Between the Bible and your smartphone. Oh, okay. Uh, like, uh, but uh, some people are like, my Bible's on my smartphone. I don't mm. know what the... Yeah. So, yeah, is, is, is the building of the bridge. And that's... So most of the... Well, I think what we need to kind of sort of you know, instruct and train people in preaching is that's where you live. And that's the work of the sermon. The work of the sermon is how is this text, you know, and this, and this world or this neighborhood or this situation that we're in, how does, what's the intersection between those two two Mm -hmm, things? mm -hmm. How are we seeing creation, fall, redemption, restoration Mm -hmm, um, in the story? And how does that inform how we're living or the choices that we need to be making? Yeah. 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 Well, I, so I think so often, um, preaching, you know, we're talking about how important preaching is and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes I think it's hard to even put my finger on what preaching is exactly. Mm. Uh, and Tim Keller talks about that preaching shouldn't just be uh, an exhortation. It shouldn't just be, hey, try harder. It shouldn't just be, mm-hmm. look at this thing that you're forgetting. It shouldn't just be like teaching or encouraging. That There's some aspect of preaching that's unique to all forms of 
of monologue, and it's that we're reminding the, about the gospel, right? right. This whole gospel-centered preaching idea is that we're actually just reminding about the gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, Christ died for you and for your sins, and then you have hope for new life and so on and so forth. Uh, and so he talks, you know, there's this the famous comparison to David and Goliath. So so when we read the story of David and Goliath, and Travis is laughing at me because we talked about this. Uh, when we read sort of David and Goliath, some people are tempted to walk away and say, you know, what you said, here's your three stones or what five, whatever. You know, oh, why did he grab so many stones? Oh, well, Goliath had brothers and sisters, you know, whatever. All this, yeah. <laughs> all this weird stuff. <laughs> right. But it, like the, the David and Goliath story is a really good picture of Jesus slaying the the giant of sin and death right and yeah. we're the the scared israelite in the back and of course you know the follow-up is always yeah and also david was a real guy that did this and sure but but the idea is that you know like the preaching that passage is not um here are the stones that you need to pick up so that you can kill the giants it's no no christ already has killed that giant yeah. and yeah you're not david in the story right right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's that, a video were you the one telling me about the video yeah <laughs> there's a video of uh, uh, Matt Chandler. Yeah, right? yeah. I think he's, he's kind of more recently popularized the whole, you're not David oh, because yeah. he just has a really emphatic way of speaking about anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. At a, at a conference at a fairly well-known evangelical church. And a couple of years later, they invite someone to the same conference at the same church. Who's like, you know, you need a Saul in your life. Cause God's preparing you to be a David. And it's just kind of, and so there's this video where the two are juxtaposed oh, and kind of, and you know, may, maybe we're being a little harsh or whatever, but um, by all means, I should be the the guy in the room who most cheers on anything Matt Chandler says for multiple reasons. However, um, <laughs> uh, and, and I, I fully agree, but I, I try to remind myself too, and especially, you know, I did a 14, 15 week series through familiar stories in the Old Testament and really strove, you know, to take that redemptive historical view first. Mm-hmm. How is this pushing forward? These are real people who did real things. How is this pushing forward the story of the Bible? Mm-hmm. How is God's faithful? And and then how is that fulfilled in Christ? Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to just jump to typology because then I wind up becoming this person who goes, okay, well, every everything in my life has to be done by Jesus. And well, yeah, right. but... Then I go live in a spirit and power. I'm unified to him. I'm in union with Christ. His Holy Spirit lives in me. David was just a guy. You know, David was a guy who had faith in in his God. That's the thing. And so when we come to Jesus and we want to typologize that passage, who's Jesus? Well, Jesus is David, but Jesus is also the God that David has faith in, right? Right. This Mm -hmm. is the God man. And so uh, I fully, fully appreciate the typology there. And, And so I always, you know... Well, this is how it's pushing the story along. This is the original context, but also this is how Christ is the true and better yeah. X. Right. The true well, I, th- I think what I think what the typology and the element, the connecting to to Christ and connecting to that larger story, what it does is it connects it to a power that goes beyond just good advice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, exactly. So so sometimes you know we kind of sit in things like, oh, okay, well here's David or here's Solomon or here's whoever, and they made a good decision. Mm-hmm. And here's the steps that they made to make that good decision. And mm-hmm. here's the five things or four things, and they're all start with the letter P um, <laughs> that they did to As make to make the good decision that mm-hmm. they made. I was like, well, there's no power in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's good advice, but and there's a place for it in the church. And there's a place for it. Yeah, there's a place for it teaching and training people how to live, right? But but that there's no 
it's kind of that's sort of it's not gospel centered because it's sort of putting all the onus on you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you need to make decisions, make good decisions like like David did, or you need to, you know, you need to. How many good decisions did he make? I'm trying to think of the good decisions that David made. Uh, you need to you need to do things exactly the same. I was like, well, I don't know that that's true. You know, I th- I think again, it's it's the connection. Here's here's somebody whose life because they trusted in God, mm-hmm. right? Right. It's not four things; it's one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, it's, it's, let me just simplify it. You know, this is how to make good decisions in your life. Trust God. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is how to have a better family life and raise your kids. Trust God. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this is, I mean, and, mm-hmm. and once you're a part of the story and once you're experiencing what Christ has done for us mm-hmm. and experience it in your own life. So no matter how you've fallen, no matter where the, the expression of the fall is in your life, that you are experiencing aspects of redemption all the time. Mm-hmm. And people in your life, reconciliation with people that are different than you. Reconciliation with family members that you've been mm-hmm. estranged by, you know, um, uh, or even a restoration of purpose and and motivation to serve in your life, you know, wh- whatever it is. Um, my fear is that a lot of times, and I don't want to say this just so blanketly, you know, okay, so take this with the broad brush that I'm painting with, because I don't really intend to. But sometimes I feel like we're just really interested in giving good advice in church mm-hmm. and not really proclaiming good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're using outside it. of us, that transforms us. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know who I heard it from, but I always say, like, you know, the, the pulpit's not there to protect people. I think that's what we tend mm-hmm. to do a lot of times. We, we use it as a way to be like, well, you know, here's good living, here's the good stuff, but we're not going to touch any of this other stuff because, like, yeah. I mean, it's there, but do we really need to talk about it? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think also so much of, of preaching is preaching a vacuum. Like if this is the only thing that goes across to people today, this this week, if the only good message they hear this week is this sermon, mm-hmm. you know, we have, to, we have to cover all the bases. We have to do all the things. I have mm-hmm. to encourage deeper faith in Christ and then also give you, you know, application and the, the, the five stones. I mean, like we have to do everything. Like the, the pastor is doing all the roles in the church mm, yeah. and really like that the sermon, you know, Tim Keller in talking about, uh, uh, preaching, it says that it should be, we should be encouraging deeper faith in, in the sermons. And so then at that point, it's like the baton pass. Okay. So I've encouraged deeper faith to you, deeper faith in Christ. And here's an example of the story and, and what you're talking about. We're setting the narrative of, of our community. This is who we are. This is what mm-hmm. we do. So then go do those things. And so then throughout the week, you're connecting with mentors. You're connecting. We're discipling, right? right. It's that, that integrated process yeah. where, you know, I don't have to, when I'm up uh, on the pulpit preaching about David and Goliath, I don't have to talk about all the decision-making aspects, what what making a good decision based on faith in God looks like in your specific situation. I just, I just have to encourage people to do those things. And then those people who are in their lives should be making those connections with them. Yeah, because in most places, you don't know all the situations that everybody's going through mm-hmm. so that I can't, I can't, you know, if I'm preaching to several hundred people, I can't just look at each one of them in the eye and say, okay, here's what this means to you, Joe, mm-hmm. and here's what this means to you, Sally, and here's what this means to you. It's like, no, I mean, that's that's why we need small groups. That's why we need one-on-one right. mentoring. That's why we need sort of the individual discipleship. You know, it when we try and use the pulpit 
Okay, I use that language. We try to use the pulpit as the sole teaching and discipleship method of the church. Mm-hmm. There have been the churches that tried to do that. Uh, what happens is you start painting everybody with the same broad brush, and mm-hmm. you know, and well, that's but that's not my situation. That's not. God cares about your situation. God cares about the mm-hmm. life. God cares about your history and your background and and all of those things. We can't deal with all of them from the stage. Mm-hmm. But that's why you need to be, right, they talk about, you know, discipleship happens in circles, not in rows. Right. Mm. You know, that's why you need to be in a circle. Yeah. Where you can actually look at each other in the eye and talk, speak truth directly to each other. Right. 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 Yeah, and if we think of community as in, like, you know, macro and micro levels, we have, you know, our macro level of community, which is the church. Sure. You know, and then our small group communities, our discipleships, everything is the micro level. But it's the micro level that should inform what's happening in the macro, right? Like, so these these groups should come together, actually, like, speak to one another, have good communication with one another, and be like, hey, like, this, like, you don't have to necessarily say so-and-so is dealing with this, but, like, we're hearing this, and, you know, see if there's Mm -hmm. common themes between everybody. Sure. That way we can influence our our macro or larger community right whatever whatever your yeah. your uh, method is for kind of keeping your ear to the ground right, right. yeah so whoever is you know deciding in those messages or those series or whatever it is that we're working through it really is important that there's communication happening all over the place mm-hmm. right so if you're you know the small groups uh pastor out there you deserve a hearing Okay, mm-hmm. let, let me just say that to right. all the small group <laughs> pastors out there. The preaching minister needs to listen to you. Okay, and you need, I mean, and, yeah, that communication just lies in with the worship ministers and with all the age group yeah. kind of, mm-hmm. you know, things, uh, whether it's the elementary age or the high school or whatever. Uh, you know, you all need to be talking to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what should happen. You know, healthy staffs and healthy church, you know, you get, when churches sort of splinter, it's because each one is just kind of wanting to do its own thing. Mm. And so, you know, the family comes to church and the kids go one direction and learn one thing, you know, and the parents go another direction or, the, you know, the, the, the teenagers go a different direction. And it's like, is, is that what God really wants of us? I mean, when we're all gathering together on Sunday morning in this identity shaping moment, mm-hmm. you know, whatever room you're in. Okay, I'm not saying everybody has to be in the same room. Okay, but everybody needs to hear the same gospel. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to hear the same truth. And and so, uh, you know, if, if you're out there and you're in a staff situation, you, you, need, you need to pursue reconciliation in your staff mm-hmm. so that everybody is listening to everybody. And uh, that that story is is uh, uh, one of unity. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, part of the curse of the fall, which is creation, fall, redemption, restoration, this thing, right? Right, right. We are we are united, we are right. in community, we are right. a family right. um, of one blood, right? right? It's Romans 17, or sorry, Acts 17. I'm writing Romans 17, working on it right now, actually. You're writing Romans 17, <laughs> that's impressive. Uh, you know, hey, if there's an Acts 29, why can't I be... You know, I'll make my ministry Romans 17, right? Um, <laughs> the Bible says something about adding to it. <laughs> hey, tell it to the X-29 guys. Again, love Matt Chandler. Good, big fan. Nobody, nobody um, does Revelation 23. Have you noticed this? Like what, what more 23. is there to say? Yeah. We'll be good because the 22 says don't add to this. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so good. Um, so anyway, um, talking about communication, and people will use the terms like silos. You know, you don't want, uh, maybe that's not in vogue anymore, but that was a thing in ministry, right? You don't want your children's ministry and youth ministry sure, and your right. young adults ministry to all be so disconnected from right. one another. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know what 
terminology they use for you know to, a non-silo but thinking about you know what what is humanity in general right because salvation is about in many ways god's original intention for humanity um it's a restoration of that that's why we use that term that's why we yeah. use redemption it's bringing back to where something was supposed to have been and so i'm thinking about okay if alienation from one another if isolation from one another if you know, fratricide, Cain mm-hmm. and Abel, the very first siblings murdering one another, then redeemed people, gospel people ought to be connected people. They ought to yeah. be communicating people. They ought to be, uh, like you've been mentioning, seeking reconciliation. Yeah. And so um, if we're talking about gospel-centered anything, we ought to be, you know, gospel-centered staff. Someone write that book. Gospel church staff. I'm, I'd be surprised if that book didn't already exist, but maybe, uh, it, know, maybe it, it doesn't. It probably it, is. But yeah. hey, someone out there hasn't read it, so someone write another one yeah. and, and, and plug it. The morning comes just when it wants. No clock can tell me how it's done. For now the darkness has its fun. But soon we'll see the morning sun. So don't close your eyes. I won't close mine The dawn will come If we're running out of time Then we're running into love A lot of times we getting back to the issue of scarcity. Mm-hmm. Right, so the reason that that you have such fractious nature staff, right? Mm-hmm. Is and people even to the extent where people aren't even trusting each other, right? Is they again you believe that the blessings of God are scarce, mm-hmm. and so for the children's ministry to get more, I mean, of course, budget. I mean, the blessings of God are are not scarce, but the budget is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's important not to equate the two, <laughs> you know. So in terms of the opportunities and the responsibilities. Uh, that we have to each other, those things are not scarce. And so, yeah. you know, to get to a place where we really, truly can trust each other mm-hmm. right. and, and, you know. That's for self-preservation and that's where right. control issues. Yeah. If I only have so much yeah. and I might perish without it, right. then I, it behooves me if I can. This is, where the prof- this is where the professionalization of the ministry right. sometimes comes back to bite us. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Is because now we start acting like employees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To go back to Ephesians, you know, opening and we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly right. places in yeah. Christ Jesus. And then and how is it that we're reconciled to God as individuals by God's rich? In, he is rich in mercy. Yeah. Um, and then what happens at the end of Ephesians 2? Jews and Gentiles are connected to one another. Those who were far off have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so if we're talking about alienation and reconciliation, then you're exactly right to connect that. But God is not lacking in forgiveness. God is not lacking Mm -hmm. in mercy and neither should we be, Mm -hmm. you know, richly have you received uh, Mm -hmm. or freely have you received freely give um, to connect a completely different part of scripture, but still, um, and that's gotta be, you know, I hate, like principle, like operating principle, because that gets, you know, you mentioned word of faith earlier, but if we're going to have an operating principle, let it be that we have received an abundance. Now I've been abundantly, fully, completely cleared, justified, forgiven, reconciled, ransomed, redeemed. And so therefore I can be honest with you about my failings yeah. because there is no court that can reverse the decision of, of God in Christ, right? Yeah. God is um, for us who can be against us. Amen. See, there we go. Don't we don't need a Romans 17? We got Romans 8. The Romans 8 is pretty good, yeah. 
pretty understatement <laughs> of forever. Roman Day is pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. yeah, that's the professional opinion of Doug Wells. Yeah, <laughs> go read it if you haven't read it. Yeah, Roman Day. You know what I think about so much? I like I hear all these things you're saying, and I don't I don't disagree on any point. Yeah, but man, when it comes to brass tax application, like we should never assume that blessings are scarce, but we also have this whole conviction of good stewardship. Sure. Man, and like yeah. that is in my experience and <laughs> very limited experience in ministry, that is the hardest tightrope to walk between believing that God can and will provide whatever right. is within his will mm-hmm. and purpose and plan. And then also we have to manage what we've got. Yeah. You know? No, that's a really good word. Yeah. Cause it, that's part of the whole faith and trust and discipleship process, right? Right. Is learning to be responsible, learning to be wise. Mm-hmm with what it is that you have. So you're right. The blessings of God are not scarce, but you know, uh, some people have five talents and some people have one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. and the person with one talent, you know, you, the same expectation, you know, maybe not the same result, mm-hmm. but the same expectation. Mm-hmm. And here again, sort of the professionalization of the ministry sometimes comes back to bite us when we start mm-hmm. comparing ourselves to other people, whether it's other people in the same staff or other people, you know, that we've graduated with and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I graduated with, with some people that are leading some pretty large churches right now mm. and books are being sold at Barnes and Noble, mm. you know, and, uh, and, you know, you got to get through, let me kind of crack my chest. And so I have to deal with that sort of, you know, occupational yeah. jealousy. Yeah. You know, I have to, I have to kind of wrestle with that. Is, am I, can, can I truly celebrate that or do I find myself taking little shots, yeah. little digs? Uh, and because we think it's a reflection of us, right? right. Well, why right. am I not there? I'm not right. good. And so right. you have to kind of tear them down. Back right. to the whole, the way the world deals with equality. So why to tear them down? Right. In order so for me to get For yeah. me to be equal, yeah. yeah. And maybe a great thing to remember is one talent was a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah that's right. Yeah, it's how like, much, right. yeah, it was like, I mean, in today's, you talk about like a thousand pounds of gold. Right? Yeah. Isn't that what we're talking I, about here? I, so, a lot. Yeah, $20,000 or something like that. But yeah, and so just being reminded, and it's so easy, you know, when you're looking at the five-talent guy to go, man, I don't have five talents. And someone someone who doesn't know the richest of God in Christ, Mm -hmm. you know, we ought to be like, man, I have been abundantly blessed. And I want you to come share in that, you know, just in comparison to where we would be had God not intervened. Mm -hmm. I mean, his blessings in our life are not scarce, Mm -hmm. like you keep saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great. I was, I was, that's one of those things that we miss in the story, right? It's right. Like, it's like the famine in the in the prodigal son story. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh wait, no, this is a lot of money. Yeah, he didn't just go. So it's a year's wages, right? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? No, it'd be more than that. It'd be more really? than that for a yeah. So we're talking. Yeah, I'll do the conversion chart. Somebody or yeah. like that, but, Google this. But, yeah, Google yeah. this or something like that. <laughs> Things that, that we're supposed to remember. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, for him to bury, I mean, I, yeah. so yeah, he I buries think it. We, yeah. like, we lose that's that so much just in the English language, and we cannot help but to um, go jump straight to the conclusion of that of that parable is that, like, we've all got talent, quote-unquote talents, like abilities, gifts. Right. And we, we lose sight of the physical, you know, money, blessing, right. that kind of stuff. But yeah, opportunity. Yeah, right. Responsibility. Yeah, bring yeah. it back to Ephesians 4. What, what's he talking about when he says he gave these these people as gifts to the church to equip them for ministry? Yeah. It's talking about the reference to Psalm 68 is, uh, you know, he ascended, he descended, he mm-hmm. came back bearing gifts right. and shedding them abroad. You know, this is talking about God's ex nihilo creative power, talking about the abundance that we have in him. And then he immediately goes to 
Okay, so exercise these spiritual gifts, whether it's an office that you're called to, you know, that fivefold ministry kind of thing in Ephesians 4.11, however you look at that, or it's whatever you've been given, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Hey, you've been given a whole talent, like yeah. one whole talent. Right. That's an amazing amount. Mm-hmm. Let's use that mm-hmm. and so that we may all be equipped and complete. And there's a reciprocal thing there, too, when church leaders, you know, maybe getting off on a bit of a tangent, but when ter- church leaders delegate some responsibility and develop um immature believers to grow and to use their gifts there's a reciprocal growth because we're all being built up when we do that Mm -hmm. and that i think is another you know just to talk about you talk about among staff members seeking reconciliation but even you know the clergy and the lady there's this kind of sense of if i give up any of my influence and i've i've felt this before if i ask them to do that someone else is going to ask me why i'm not doing my job yeah because i get paid to do that yeah or why are you here yeah, like, yeah. yeah, what do we need you for if a volunteer can yeah. can do that? Right. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully I bring enough to the table. But then again, I'm operating out of this mindset of what do I bring to the table to validate me being here? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's an especially, you know, for those of our listeners who are in vocational ministry and maybe get the majority or at least a significant amount of their income from that. That's a real temptation. At least I can attest to yeah. if I empower someone else to do this, then what am I even here for? Why do they need me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see again, I think it all draws back to what is the role of the the, the pastor, the preacher. Mm-hmm. You know, if we think about like a a ship, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the pastor is the one behind the wheel directing. He's not rowing the boat, he's not pulling down the sails, he's not you know, swabbing the decks, he's not I mean anything mm-hmm. else, right? His purpose is to be there pointing which direction the ship's going. Mm-hmm. And if he stops steering first, I mean this is just classic cliche metaphor, but if he stops steering <laughs> for a second to go, you know. Uh, show somebody how to or 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 bold I mean what happens to the ship you know mm-hmm. into the rocks instantly actually I feel like this is straight out of someone else's sermon that I'm hearing <laughs> I'm talking but you know, but again the, like the point is like you have to be casting vision for the church you right. have to be leading spearheading right. the narrative and and it's if about, we take yeah. every function of the church pack it into one person then yeah it's about orienting yeah so how, how are we orienting our community our church whether mm-hmm. it's you know, the youth ministry in our church or yeah. whatever group that you're a part of uh, or Sunday morning leading. This is like, is how, how can we all be oriented together into mm-hmm. into what God, where God is leading all of us together into the story, right? Mm-hmm. And coming back to the story. So the, the use of the story is kind of that sort of reorienting. Let's reorient into the creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's where God is leading us, mm-hmm. leading all of us in, into greater and greater redemption, greater and greater restoration. That's where the story is going. So what does that look like in your life? And, you know, and then, then you get into the small groups, mm-hmm. into the actual, you know, rowing or whatever right. is happening, yeah. the swabbing. Swabbing poop thing. Swabbing, uh, however that metaphor. <laughs> pulling yeah. some yeah. rope of something of the other thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, where all that work happens is the, the value of that is that we're all going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've said all there is to ever say about it, right? right. I mean, <laughs> no one ever has to talk yeah. about this again. You're welcome. <laughs> well, we could definitely sit here and keep talking. Yeah. Maybe in circles, but, you know, it's all right. Yeah. Jeremiah's like, come on, guys. No, no, not at all. <laughs> See, so, it's, it's just, it's interesting for me because I, I mean, vocationally, I'm not a preacher. I mean, I, I could do it, I guess, but like, a, it's not something I do consistently. Right. And mm-hmm. so. Uh, but I do have a platform right. that has, you know, has its own responsibilities and, and, uh, essentially 
preaching in some form or manner, right? I mean, mm-hmm. proclaiming the gospel message. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the only way I can really connect with this. But Everybody's uh, doing it, man. Yeah. Everybody's proclaiming yeah. the gospel. Right. I mean, yeah. the, per- the person that's counseling, the person, you know, person's going through a real difficult struggle and just kind of listening. And, you know, you are proclaiming the gospel, even in a listening ministry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you are you are proclaiming that God is with that person. Mm-hmm. Like God is listening. Like God cares, and get, you know whether and whether it's the song that we are specifically choosing to sing mm-hmm. because it proclaims this truth that we need to be reminded about. You're proclaiming the gospel, so you know the preaching minister or whatever. I mean, we all we all are. Yeah, you know it's one of those things. It's like you know, if worship is everything. It's not anything. Mm-hmm. You know, preaching is everything. Is well, yeah. No, there's still room for the person that that speaks the words of truth, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, you know, again, if everybody is coming around and, and doing that together, mm-hmm. showing the unity that happens, redemption, restoration, reconciliation, all the things that we've been talking about for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the gospel is, is proclaimed. And that's, that's, you know, so you can have, can you have a church service without, you know, someone standing up and actually like saying, giving the 30 minute monologue? Can you do that? Can you have a church service where you don't do that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think you should do it all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. But you can do that as long as the gospel is being proclaimed in song and in you know, table, you know, Eucharist, communion, um, and just even in the words that we share in the prayers that we offer for each other in the mm-hmm. community. So I think so often in, in the the restoration movement, the the whole idea of restoring the first century Acts Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always, I know I have always ended up with this question where I'm like, okay, well, I, I don't remember any point in the book of Acts, uh, besides besides Paul's gatherings, where we know that what the church did functionally mm-hmm. and who they were was get together, sing songs, and listen to a, a pastor preach. You know, yeah. they, they said they devoted themselves to the mm-hmm. apostles' teaching yeah. and to breaking the bread and the fellowship, you know, in Acts. Um, yeah, a lot of that is just, is, uh, was informed by the synagogue, right? Right. So this is this is how we maintain our identity in an, in a strange place and in, yeah. as exiles, right? Right. So we sort of orient ourselves that way. We're exiles in the land, and so this is how we uh, remind ourselves of our identity in the midst of this mm-hmm. is in song and in mm-hmm. word and in in practice, like the feasts and the, those kinds of things, right? Yeah. Which again, yeah, and setting how how the synagogue works, mm-hmm. and, and actually setting how the church functions. Yeah, it makes sense. This is this is why our models this way. But I, yeah. I just you know I've had conversations with people where they read through sections of Acts and they're like, well, they didn't all sit in pews and, and sing songs mm-hmm. and listen to some guy talk for a while. And it's right. like, well, how do we convey that this is still important? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and ultimately it goes back to how do the synagogues function? How yeah. did you know? Yeah. So, so sometimes the, we get married to the forms of things. Yeah. And and uh, you know some some forms are really important. Some I mean all everything expresses truth. All the forms of, but the fact that the New Testament doesn't give us the order of worship mm-hmm. the way like you know in Leviticus it tells you okay this is how the Day of Atonement is going to work and mm-hmm. the specific things that's going to happen. We don't have a comparable thing in the New Testament. Why? Because God wants to give us some freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. We have freedom. So the church in Corinth does not look like the church in Rome. Mm-hmm. From tell us that the church in, in Corinth was a little bit more of a 
mass gathering at a wealthy person's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church in Rome was not like that at all. It was scattered throughout different smaller homes. Um, and there's not one way to do church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is great. Again, kind of comes back to this idea of you know what's happening on the ground, what's happening in your community. Mm-hmm. Your church does not have to look like the big church that you have visions about. You know, doing you, your church does not have to look like, and should not honestly look like uh, that church. God has given us freedom as mm-hmm. long as the universal gospel is being proclaimed. As long as your people, the people in your situation, are being restored, being redeemed, uh, <clears throat> understanding, bringing their lives into the grand story story of God, that's what God has for each one of us. And that, that's, that's what God has for each one of our churches. So, Doug, where can our two listeners who don't know you, <laughs> where can they where can they find more of your your stuff at? Yeah, podcast, right? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, I and a couple other Ozark professors, Chad Ragsdale and Michael DeFazio, we have a podcast. We've kind of we've kind of taken a summer hiatus. Uh, our podcast is called Every Thought Captive. Uh, you can find it on SoundCloud under Every Thought Captive, uh, and all the iTunes and uh, Stitcher. I think those are the three mm-hmm. places you can do it. And um, and we have a Facebook page and a Twitter thing. That I'm in charge of, so it doesn't get. Mm-hmm. Much, there's not much there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. So that's that's where you can the the podcast and and now that school is getting back to start start up here pretty soon, uh, we'll get back and start producing some new episodes this fall. Awesome. So yeah, Great. yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you being here. And oh, I guess we're great. here in your office. I mean, yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe, here. maybe yeah. you don't appreciate us being yeah. here. But, no, yeah. I, I appreciate you guys making it so I didn't have to move. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. So also, we want to make sure we plug uh, the website, thefiresidecommunity.com. Uh, we've been uh, posting on articles. You can always find the news podcast episodes up there and uh, videos, which are few. And far between, but of course, always check back for more. Um, hoping to have a kind of a renovation of the website soon. It's going to be a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun because I'm trying to learn HTML. So, anyways, uh, so yeah, of course, check back. I'm rambling. This is why we edit so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, check back uh, to thefiresidecommunity.com uh, regularly. We also have the Facebook page, uh, Fireside Cast at Fireside underscore Cast. And uh, our Twitter is also at Fireside underscore cast. Well, thanks, Doug, for, thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. We should just do live intro and outro music every week. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, I feel like I need to do that. Yeah. Um, he's in charge. <laughs> Can, uh, cool. can do some acapella. Ooh, like barbershop oh, quartet yeah. kind of thing. See how easy that would be to do every week? And then like you got it, you don't have to insert it. Dude. That'll be that can be the like post uh outro song just a little second. We'll if we're running out of time. If we're running out of time If we're running out of time Then we're 